Good afternoon. It is Lifetime Live with me, Crisalda Tutumash, and uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, that is Malik Istima. Um, here on Lifetime Live, uh, we do love, we do laughter, we do life. And uh, right now, focusing on a, a question that is um, of growing concern. Why is our suicide rates on the rise? Um, why are they increasing? And to help us just respond to this, an organization not only faced with the challenge of uh, trying to reduce um, suicide rates, but also having to sustain themselves. And uh, joining me is Dr. Kim Lexton, who is a psychiatrist and uh, in, uh, affiliated to the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Good afternoon and welcome, Dr. Hi, good afternoon, Griselda, and thank you so much for having me on the show today. This is a concern. I mean, the race, uh, the Institute of Race Relations um, believes better suicide prevention interventions uh, can be implemented. What are we missing? Oh, that's a big question and requires a very, very long answer. Mm. I think one of the one of the biggest concerns is that we don't understand suicide. It's um it's a very complicated result of something like depression and it's a consequence of depression. And I think the one thing that we're missing is perhaps the diagnoses before someone actually attempts suicide. Yeah. We miss the subtleness of depression and the very unconscious types of anxiety and negative thoughts that people live with on a mm. daily basis, which might actually be symptoms of a depressive illness, which we know in 90% of the cases, 95% of the cases of completed suicides, depression has been present at least for the three months prior to the, to the actual suicide attempt. So I think to answer a very big question, I think we're missing depression. I ah. think we're missing the fundamental symptoms of depression. And how can we try and address something we don't even understand? I mean, you know, going back once again to this report, um, thoughts of suicide uh, are reported as usually prompted by a sense of hopelessness. And when life happens to most People just don't know how to deal with life, lest, uh, let alone, um, you know, teenagers. Uh, can you imagine a first year at varsity student who's never been outside home and suddenly you're faced with so many challenges? Uh, so what sort of a mechanism should we put in place uh, mm-hmm. to, for people to know that you're never alone? Pick up the phone, so, be it a friend, mm-hmm. uh, someone is ready to just respond to your challenge. I want to just quickly go back a step. Um, We think, and there's the big misconception, and it's a myth, that depression is as a result of external circumstances. It's as a result of bad things happening or negative things happening to people. In a way, that is partially true. So depression can be or erupt essentially, the fire of depression can be lighted by an external circumstance that is incredibly difficult to comprehend or cope with. Loss of a loved one, challenges at work, challenges at school, lots of um, requirements from parents, teachers, lots of stress. Mm. We talk about stress here. Depression as a disease is innate. Mm. Depression as an illness is not as a result of external circumstances only. It's a disease that we need to fight, which we need to diagnose. Much like 
if you are a smoker, for example, not all smokers will get cancer. Some will. The point is, is that we need to target the cancer as well as the smoking. So, Much like we have to make the environment easier to, to be for young people, but we also need to target depression more effectively. Let's talk about the symptoms um, then, uh, because if, if it's a, a disease, a chemical imbalance of sort, uh, do I know when I'm depressed? Because uh, like you said, doctor, mm-hmm. when we started this conversation, that uh, often than not, it, it's a condition that's not diagnosed even. Yes, so it's a very difficult condition to diagnose. Although the symptoms, if we look at our diagnostic and statistical manual or the ICD or the Royal College, whichever manual you're going to go to to look for the symptoms of depression, the same symptoms sort of come out. So, for example, a low mood, that's pretty self-explanatory, but there are other subtle symptoms that people, if you're listening to the show, and these kind of wake up a certain question in your mind, perhaps you might consider going to just seek more professional opinions or, or get some sort of counsel. But other symptoms include things like a lack of motivation, lack of enjoyment of previously pleasurable activities. So, for example, if you really enjoyed going out to dinner and seeing your friends, all of a sudden you find yourself becoming withdrawn, lacking that initiation of doing things that you find previously pleasurable. Other symptoms, for example, are sleep changes. Mm. Sleep is a big symptom in psychiatry. We often talk about sleep. And we say, how have your sleep patterns changed? Are you sleeping more? Are you sleeping less? Are you Mm -hmm. struggling to fall asleep? Are you struggling to get up? Slight changes, subtle changes in your sleep. Appetite is another one. So people might say that they just find themselves eating too much or or not eating at all. Weight loss is weight gain. Mm. But another symptom that often isn't spoken about because it's something that's hidden, because people get ashamed of this, is the negative thoughts that you have about yourself. So if someone thinks they might be struggling with symptoms of depression or might in fact have a depressive diagnosis, one good exercise to do is to go down and just get a piece of paper and write down the words that you feel Let, let's talk you. about let's talk about those interventions doctor when we return because mm. i i would like an opportunity for someone to just grab a pen now that you've articulated what the symptoms feel like what is it that you can do about it straight after this call Griselda now 891 Indeed, uh, do give us a call and we also welcome your SMSs at 40938, charged at 150 per SMS. And you can also send us uh, a tweet or Facebook message at SAFM Radio and hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. Or you can send us a WhatsApp voice note on 0614. 104107. I think before we listen to the voice notes, you were uh, giving tips, um, doctor, that once you experience those Mm. symptoms, what is it that one can do? Okay, so the first thing you can actually do is go and see your general practitioner. That is probably the first best step because Mm -hmm. at least you're making contact with the profession that is ultimately going to be able to help you. So I would suggest if you've got a friend or a family member that you would like to speak to, that's probably a good start as well. So you could perhaps go with someone that you trust, that you feel comfortable with. But but making contact with a professional is very important. General practitioners basically to start off with. The second most important thing that you can consider is perhaps looking out for a clinical psychologist. And there are lots of clinical psychologists you can go into, you know, you can basically Google it, clinical psychologist, wherever you stay, and just see which one is closest to you and getting an opinion. So stepping into that professional realm. 
So sometimes we don't often advise patients to go straight to a psychiatrist. It's making that initial contact and getting an assessment because general practitioners can also prescribe medication and advise you on counseling and psychology. Mm-hmm. So the first biggest step is to acknowledge that you might have some symptoms and that you've got questions. Mm-hmm. The second step is then to go and seek that help. And that is the starting point. Sure. So so once diagnosed, um, what are the treatment options that are available and what is the success rate? Okay, so it really depends on the individual. So let's say a patient comes to me as a psychiatrist, I will do a full history and a full physical and um, mental evaluation. So I will decide based on the symptoms that you have and the needs that you have. For example, if you work, if you're a mother, if you're awake at night, if you're a shift worker, all sorts of things taken into consideration, we then decide on the best treatment action and we do it collaboratively. So I will discuss with the patient, okay, what are your needs and this is what's available to you and how can we make this best fit for you? Mm. So first of all, the big arm, of course, is medication. Um, It's not generally the first place we jump. It depends on the severity of your depression. And usually the mild types of depression that we know that there's no you know, big significant risk to oneself and, and you're functioning really well at work, but you're really having a difficult time because of the external circumstances, we might actually just refer you to a psychologist. Mm. So psychology and medication for the more severe forms of depression are your two big arms. I cannot stress enough how important clinical psychology is. It is an absolutely fundamental component to treating and managing and mastering your depression because we're effectively reprogramming your brain. Medication is one part of that. Clinical psychology is the other. It's like getting both legs as opposed to just one into the treadmill. All right. So those are our two big branches of treatment. Then... The success rate. First of all, it really, again, depends on the depression. But we've got reasonably good responses with medications alone. So mm-hmm. the more severe depression, we see if you go on to the first-line treatment and then you decide whether we're going to change it or we're going to augment it, add another medication just to fuel that particular pole effect, we see pretty good response rates, commonly prescribed medications. So clearly something is missing. Mm-hmm. And... I think we have to take society by society because in our setting, and I was actually discussing this with someone last week also, um, just talking around depression and and why people are depressed. We live in a very, very difficult environment. Hmm. I mean, we've got huge rape statistics. We've got people that are struggling financially, struggling with work, struggling with chronic medical illnesses. Hmm. And to answer your question, Yes, I think we're a depressed society. And we also lack the resources to treat everyone. And that's what's really sad. And that is what's really sad. And I would like to just read these SMSs and and then we can um, just talk about the plight that um, South African depression and anxiety group is facing, which is so unfortunate when we have such a dire need. How many people have visited a a doctor and we're on drugs but they still completed com- com- committed suicide the drug um, have side effects 
do not accept that a GP can diagnose depression in 15 minutes. And, and that's that's an SMS. And we also have, it's not easy to avert depression disorders um, because we are constantly confronted by frustrations and predisposing causes on daily basis. And there's little we can do. Gosh. Sure. It feels so <laughs> helpless. Goodness. We also have yeah. a voice note. And um, listen to this. Hi, this is Chriselda. Please, can you ask the doctor whether there is any link between severe depression and the development of bipolar in that condition? Thank you. There you go. I mean, there's those nuances. Uh, there's a thin line as well. With once one has been diagnosed, uh, how do you know that it's bipolar? So. Funny, that is one of the easier questions to answer today. Um, so bipolar is essentially a mood disorder, but it's got bi- both poles. So depression forms part of the diagnosis. So um, what we look for in bipolar is the other pole to make it a bipolar. Mm. So we're looking for mania, which is this increased elevation and of mood, irritability, lots of energy, decreased need for sleep, a whole lot of symptoms. Um, to be able to qualify. So this is not just a pure depression. This has got a bipolar element to it, and we treat it very, very differently. So what we do find, though, and our caller or our voice note is quite correct, depression, in 90% of cases, if a bipolar person is sick, they're actually depressed, not necessarily manic. Up to 96% in some cases of bipolar, which is a different type of bipolar, but we find depression as being the stronger arm when it comes to the bipolar disorder. But if you've had a manic episode, if you've had a psychotic episode and depressed, we're thinking much more on the bipolar side of things. And as I say, we treat that totally differently. And that should be managed by a psychiatrist. So if, if bipolar is being managed properly and effectively, that should be done in a, a session with a psychiatrist who's specifically trained with the medication and the type of counseling that is needed for those types of patients. So they're two different illnesses, depression and bipolar, but depression is very commonly seen in bipolar disorder. Tambara and Julie is also raising uh, quite interesting points on Twitter, uh, saying who wants their brain to be reprogrammed in the age of fake news and, and corruption, especially <laughs> since depression has been abused. And um, he talks about how do you manage constructed depression? Hmm. Constructed. So very interesting. So yes, it feels like our brains are getting fried every day yeah. and programmed every morning. It's you know even what? difficult to it's listen to the news lately. It's a very difficult, it's a difficult question. Yeah. Um, I think basically if we cut down depression into its essential elements, what we're looking at is we're looking at a, a subjective experience, so symptoms. We're looking at functioning. So what can you do? What are you required to do? School, work, home life, whatever it is, and then quality of life. So if you're going to take as an individual person, if you're going to look at those three components, you're going to look at your symptoms, your quality of life, and your functioning, and you're going to write them down. If you're noticing that in one or more or all of those areas, you are struggling, there might be depression. And we're reprogramming brains to be able to optimize your quality of life. 
Sure. That's what we're doing. So the brain is a very complicated organ. We don't understand how it works. Mm. But what we do know is it's just a muscle, much like the rest of our body. So if we exercise it correctly and we put the right nutrients into it and the right ingredients, it should get better. So that's what we're talking about when we're saying we're treating someone for yeah. depression. And, and what are some of the, what we would regard as brain food? Brain food? <laughs> I would say exercise is a good start. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we have to look after our brains. If you, if you think about your heart, mm-hmm. what do you do to keep your heart healthy? You exercise, you eat the correct food, you keep all your, your nutrients, your vitamins, your minerals, you get a good intake of that, lots of water, and then you exercise it. Mm-hmm. So you go and you do cardiovascular exercise, you look after it. And you might need to take medication to look after it. You sure. might need to keep your blood pressure low. You might need to keep your, your weight down, things like that. We're exercising, we're looking after, we're optimizing our function of our heart. The brain is similar. So if you have a good diet, if you exercise regularly, and I always advocate this, I see quite a lot of older people, so people sort of 70s, 80s. I say, do crosswords, play scrabble. Those are just exercises for the brain. All right. The one thing that I do want to just tell the listeners is that the antidepressants are not bad for your brain. They're not bad. They can only do good. Might have side effects to them, but they can do good. So I would put medication as part of that type of brain food. Mm. Let's talk about the plight that is faced by Sadiq. Um, The helpline might shut down um, because the resources are depleting. And and that that's tragic because just last week, I mean, I, I do a show with Umtlobo in another um, sister radio station in the evenings. And I, people are just going through so much. And often for me, it's an extension of the help that we provide. Um, just saying, call Sadek, here's the number. And to yeah. note that, you know, they might shut down because of resources, because of funding. That's tragic. Oh, no. I mean, I, I can't even, I've got no words. I mean, tragic doesn't even come close. The type of work that Sadek does saves people's lives. And you know what? Let me tell you something. I'm going to have a, a little bit of a rant because I saw this in the government sector. Mm-hmm. I saw it for two years when I was working at a consult- as a consultant in Helen Joseph where mental health is put at the bottom when it comes to resources. Mm-hmm. And it drives me mad because mental health is what is the umbrella for all other health. There's absolutely no question. So the work that SADC does, providing the voice, the ear, the, the comfort, yeah. the resource, the, the material, if that shuts down, I, I've got no words. I, I have no idea what, there's no organization that does better work than that. Give us the contact number, please. So SADC's got a couple of contact numbers. Mm-hmm. What I can tell you is that um, they've specified specific contact numbers. So, for example, it's a toll-free suicide crisis line. And I know after the death of Prof. Um, yeah, Moyoti, and Kensani is passing as well. Tragic. Yeah. That is flooded. But it's still an accessible number. And it's 0800-567-567. And there's an SMS service as well which is 31393. So those are two two suicide crisis line numbers that you should just 
no, off by heart. And they're not particularly difficult to remember. Yeah. And then if you go to the static website, so that's SASAG, so okay. South African Depression and Anxiety Group, and you actually go into their website, mm-hmm. what you will find, it's .org, what you will find is that they've got contact numbers for various different question groups. Yeah. So, for example, um, I'm actually opening it in front of me now because it's, it's quite useful to know these numbers off my we, heart. We've ran completely out of time, Dr. Lexton. It's fine. I think oh, just going yes. to uh, their website should be sufficient mm-hmm. and the number that you it's have right given there. already. Thank you. Thank you very much. All Thank right. You. Thank you for having me. That's Dr. Kim Lexton, who is a psychiatrist uh, affiliated with the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. A tragic, tragic reality in our society in South Africa. And they rise and increase in suicide. It's just so tragic. Nobody wants to raise a child and you wake up one day, your child has killed themselves or your lover. Um, has killed themselves and you don't even know you're feeling helpless. You don't know what went wrong.